That's their dream, but we have our dreams. Let's make our dreams come true. Hey, hey, hey. Hey guys, I'm back with season two of That's Their Dream podcast. I have a special guest with me today who is my cousin, Winnie. She loves to travel, try new restaurants, and help others find jobs as her profession. Thank you, Winnie, for joining me on my podcast. Thanks for having me, Sydney. Of course. So if you don't mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, definitely. So um, as Sydney said, my name is Winnie. Um, and I'm lucky enough to be her cousin. Um, but I, (laughs) so I am currently, I'm a 20, I'm 25 years old and I am a recruiter for an IT staffing and services company. Um, so what that means on a day-to-day basis is I'm basically working with, um, IT professionals, um, within the Minneapolis market and helping them secure different jobs with the local clients that we work on. Luckily, Minneapolis is a pretty, um, in-depth and very uh, robust IT industry. So there's tons of opportunity and we get a chance to work with like really large clients within Minneapolis, Um, Best Buy, Target, 3M, Wells Fargo, all the names, you name it. Um, And we uh, help support their IT sections of their business. Wow, that's cool. So like what made you get into recruiting? Yeah, I guess funny story because um, I graduated from UW-Madison, go Badgers, and um, I graduated with a major in retail and consumer behavior, so I basically studied why people spend too much money at Target, um, was the gist of my major, and getting out of college, I worked for a CPG company here in Minneapolis, and it wasn't really the best fit, um, so I kind of went back to the basics of um of my life essentially and what I really like doing and um, from an early stage in life I've always liked helping people um, especially within like human resources I wanted to work with people but I knew that like benefits and comp and some of those like HR fundamentals weren't really super enticing but I've always enjoyed recruiting and then I had a friend of mine who works for a different staffing company and I was like hey you like recruiting and you also come from like a sales background Um, given that you have this retail major, would you ever consider um, being a recruiter within the staffing industry? Um, And it's a perfect blend between um, HR, um, HR being the side of of helping people find jobs and doing the recruiting side, but also sales, because I do have to kind of like sell different positions to different candidates, sell my candidates over to the clients that we have. Um, So kind of bridge the two things that I really enjoyed doing into one career path. Yeah, I like that you were able to find a perfect career path for you, especially having to start all over and, you know, go back to the drawing board um, and see, you know, what is the best fit for you. Some people just stick with, you know, just a job um, just because of the pay and stuff like that or the benefits and they're not happy. And it's good that you were able to find something that you are happy with and you're loving. So I like that. Yeah, no, I um, highly, yeah, I, I, sorry, I'll go back a little bit. I know um, people always say like, would you stick in a job for more money, um, even if you were miserable? Um, And that was kind of my case, like making a ton of money, but I was really miserable. So like, I definitely push everybody to like pursue your passion, even if it means coming with a pay cut or, um, you know, just a completely different direction in life. You might've been a biology major and now you want to become a lawyer. Um, Just definitely go after what you are passionate about, which is what I did. And I'm way happier now. Yeah, I definitely agree. So like with your job, you probably review multiple resumes a day. So like, what are some key things that 
you look for in a resume? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I don't even know how many resumes I look at every day, but I look at a ton of resumes. Um, And within our industry, honestly, we probably only spend roughly like one to two minutes looking at a resume. Um, So my biggest things when the first thing I look at when I'm looking at a resume is um, the name of the companies that you worked at um, within at least my industry the I'm trying to target people that have worked at big names not to say that that's what you have to do but I'm looking to make sure that um, you've worked at just well-known companies that are that I'm familiar with or that I can familiarize myself with the other big thing I'm looking for is um, any big gaps of employment Um, that can be very subjective because I know a lot of people um, like you have life happens and like I completely understand that but when I am looking at your resume and you um, you have like a six month gap of employment then another one year gap of employment that's kind of a red flag for me um, just because I'm, I'm trying to figure out why why you keep bouncing from job to job. The other thing I do look at also is like how long you've been employed at certain places. If you're only employed at a certain place like every three months, then you pick a different place in three months. That's giving me a little bit of a red flag because um, I don't know if you're really good at stability. If you can stay in one place, is it really the company or is it probably you if, you, yeah. if you've been to five different places in one year? Um, so I think those are the first uh, two to three things I look at. And then I'm typically looking um, for just keywords as it relates to the job. So um, I'll use like a non-IT example, but if you are, you know, just applying for like an admin assistant job or some type of executive admin job, I'm looking to see if you have like Microsoft Office on there, if you have like words like organization, um, uh, planning, um, different tools that you are using on a day-to-day basis. I'm skimming that to see if you have those listed on your resume, um, just to kind of make sure, give, just to make sure that you're essentially, um, your skills match up to the job that you're applying for. Yeah, I heard that it's best to look at, you know, the job description of the job that you're applying for and try to add those keywords from there and put it in your resume. Is that something that you would recommend or yeah, I would definitely recommend it um, because right now in the job world, uh, we're in a very high technology-based world. So anytime you're submitting your resume, it's going through a lot of AI AI machines. And those AI machines are essentially just looking for certain keywords. And then we'll tell that company like, oh, this might be a good fit because it said um, it has Excel on the resume like three to four times. So because of how we evaluate, we use so much technology to evaluate um, potential candidates, I would definitely recommend looking at the job that, or looking at the job description that you are applying for and making sure you're adding some of those key skills that they're looking for into your resume. That, that makes sense. So I know like going back, you were talking about like, you look at big gaps and stuff. Like what if you're unemployed? That's why you have those big gaps. Like, is that something that could be concerning? I mean, it's not really the person's fault that they're unemployed, but is that something that you consider or take in? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge given that we are um, about to exit the, the year and a half that we've been at with COVID. So I think with COVID, unemployment got into like the 20 million. Don't quote me on that, but it was super, <laughs> super high. Um, so that's something that people are going to take into account when we do look at resumes, we know COVID was happening. We know um, you, you lost your job. And like, those are the things you can explain um, given the chance that you get to talk to your recruiter. But prior to, 
you know, 2020, 2019, if I'm seeing um, a ton of large gaps in your, if in your employment, I'm going to be concerned. It doesn't like ultimately eliminate you, but I'm going to be concerned as to why you weren't working during that time. And, but I can also reference it to maybe like, I see that you were in school during that time. So that's totally fine. And we can, okay. we can close the gaps that way. But if you've just never been to school and you like worked half the year and then the other half of the year is not, there's nothing there. My initial question is, so what did you do from June to December? Okay. I mean, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. You just want to make sure that, you know, people that are applying for jobs um, will stick with the job and are good candidates. So, I mean, yeah, that's something that makes sense that you guys would consider, you know, the gaps and stuff. Um, yeah. So I know you also do interviews. What would you recommend to help prep for an interview? Yeah, so with... Um... When it comes to interviews, I always tell people, number one, if you know somebody that works at the company that you're working at, get them on the phone, understand their day-to-day, understand the job, understand you know what you could potentially getting yourself into so you can walk into the interview feeling prepared that you can articulate to that to that company that like, hey, I know that within this job as, you know, we'll just use a, like a very simple example, like working at McDonald's, I know that customer service is important. I know that I'm going to be like on my feet and all that kind of stuff. And this is how, um, this is how I know I'm going to be good at the job. The second thing is I would definitely review um, the method called the STAR method. And I am um, completely blanking on what STAR means. So forgive me. No, it's but- not totally fine. You know what do you know what the star method stands for? I have no idea. I've never even heard it before, but <laughs> hopefully it comes back to you. <laughs> yes, no, I got it. So the star method stands for give me two seconds. It is take your time, um, take your time. It happens. Brain freezes happen and stuff. So. <laughs> uh, okay, so the star method stands for situation, task, action, and result. So anytime it, like someone asks you a question don't just say like yes or no. Um, Number one, walk them through your entire answer, starting with what the situation was. You know, if it's a situational based question, like, you know, when is the time that you faced a difficult challenge? Lay out the scene and um, give them, you know, the basics of of the situation. And then T stands for task. So describe what your responsibility was in the situation. The biggest thing in interviews is to make sure that you are talking about what you specifically did, not what we did as a team. So if you're like, oh, we helped put this together and we helped put this together, I want to know what you what what part you played on that team. Um, the A in STAR stands for action. So explain exactly what steps you took to address the, the task at hand. And again, that has to go back to what you did. And then the R stands for result. So share what outcomes um, outcomes your actions achieved. Was it good? Was it bad? And even if it was bad or good, um, they want to know the ending and that kind of closes it together. So I tell people to be very in depth with their answers, but also don't like, don't talk for 10 minutes about one situation, you know, be cautious of like that person's time and how they're reciprocating your response. I always say a good answer for like a situational based question is um, approximately like two to three minutes, but um, it can vary depending on the, on, on the, 
on the question. And then um, for other things in regards to prep, um, make sure to you know execute the fundamentals when it comes to just personal grooming, showing up, even if you're interviewing for a pretty relaxed company where they wear jeans and a t-shirt, uh, show up, still show up in a suit, show up overdressed. You'd rather be overdressed than underdressed. Um, and then I think my biggest thing for interview prep, uh, come with your resumes already printed out just in case that person doesn't have your resume. Um, come with something to take notes and then make sure to come with questions. The moment the person says, hey, do you have any questions? Don't ever say no. Even if you don't have questions, <laughs> just make some up. <laughs> yeah, that, that brings me into the next question. Like when they do ask that, like what are some good questions to ask? So when it's time to ask questions, that's really a time for you to get a better understanding of their expectations of the candidate that they're looking for. It's really a time for you to, um, it's a time for you to get your answers. So I would probably avoid asking compensation related questions or like, you know, how much PTO do I get okay. and things like that, but really, ask questions that relate to the job specifically. You know, what will I be doing on a day-to-day -day basis? What are your expectations of a candidate that you're bringing into this role? Um, you know, am I backfilling somebody? Are you taking somebody else's place? Because then if you are, then you're stepping into somebody else's shoes or is this a brand new position? So ask any question that you need answered in order for you to feel comfortable to accept the offer if you get it. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds good. So then like, you know, you said, don't mention like PTO and like pay and all of that. So I know sometimes when you do interviews, there could be like three stages to it. So would you mm -hmm. recommend maybe asking that towards like maybe the last interview that you have, or just keep quiet until you get the offer? Yeah. Um, typically when you are applying for the job, you are in the beginning or sorry, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So typically um, your first point of contact with a company is gonna be with um, a recruiter like myself that's working, that's a third party vendor or an internal recruiter. At that time, it's definitely okay to confirm with them like, hey, this job was posted at you know, $70,000 per year is it, or 70 to $75,000 per year. Is that still the range that you guys are targeting for this candidate? And um, that first initial conversation as well, you can ask a little bit about like the benefits of the company. As long as you're talking to that internal recruiter, um, it's a little bit better. But when you're specifically talking to your potential um, upcoming manager or the team or, or the people that you're going to be working with, I would avoid those type of questions and not circle back to them until you have the offer at hand. And then you can go through and review like, hey, when I first started, this was, this was gonna be you know, 70 to 75, which is something that you're gonna negotiate along with benefits and things like that. Um, because they know that you need those answers, those answers, mm -hmm. those questions answered um, before accepting the offer. So they'll definitely go through with it, go through it with you at that time. But if you're asking that, like if that's the first thing that you ask, they're gonna be like, hey, do you really care about the job? Or are you trying to get paid? Which we're all trying to get paid, but they also want you to be passionate about the work that you're going to be doing. Yeah. So pretty much to recap, what you said is, you know, when they ask like what questions you have just to focus on more specific to that role. Um, and then if you're talking to like HR or something during the first point of contact, that's when you can ask those little questions, but 
you should just wait until you get the offer is what you're trying to say then. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely err on the side of wait till you get the offer and then you can walk through those details um, at that time versus coming in and meeting the team and just grilling them about the money. Yep, because you can grill them later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you have the offer so then you have a reason to grill them. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Don't want to lose your job before you even get in. Basically. Um, <laughs> But um, so you probably see a lot of people make mistakes while interviewing. So if you don't mind sharing, what are some common mistakes that you see? Yeah, that's a, well, I guess that's a really good question because I mean, interviewing before COVID was so different. And now that we do uh, virtual interviews, that's also a little bit different. Um, I guess I can talk about both. So if it's an in-person interview, um, please, please, please show up on time, which I know is like, common sense for some people but you'd be surprised how often it's not common sense <laughs> really when it's interviews I'd be showing up like 10 minutes early or at least 20 you know like give it some time to park you know find where I need to go you would people really think, come late <laughs> you would really think but I've I've seen some people like just 10 15 minutes like oh I'm so sorry like I'm running late I'm like that's this not really the day to run late I'll be honest but um number one yes show up on time that's super important both for in-person and virtual interviews sometimes in virtual interviews you know you'll be sitting in like a, a zoom waiting room or whatever the case may be but um they completely understand that and they also understand technical difficulties but as much as they want to understand like oh you know there was traffic and something they're expecting to know that you planned ahead in order to make it there on time and that's also to speak to the fact that like if you can't show up to the interview on time are you going to show up to work on time yeah that that's true yeah and then um what are some other things not to do for an interview um i'm my biggest thing is making sure you show up prepared and that's just going to show showcase through like the way you dress um, you know, if you bring like, make sure to bring like a writing utensil and like a notebook of some sort in your resumes, it's about that preparation that's really going to stand out um, in the interview. And there's going to be like questions you can't answer and like certain things that like may kind of throw you for a curveball, but they're going to be more impressed with the fact that you came prepared. You like have knowledge of the company. That's also a really big thing is wherever you're going, make mm -hmm. sure you did some research and you know, like what they do. Like if you're interviewing at, you know, somewhere like 3M, do you know what 3M does? Right now I'm blanking. I have no idea what they do. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get it. But yeah, researching like the mission, the values um, and tie it into your role. Like that's something that I was doing when I was interviewing um, some time back. So doing stuff like that shows them that you really are prepared and that you really want the job and you're just not like, you know, trying to see which is the first company that's going to hire me. And, you know, like you said, all about people are really worried about pay, which is something that's really important and everyone cares about, but showing that you're committed and that you want this job. Yeah, definitely. That's what they're trying to see. That's trying to their gauge is like, does this person fit on our team? Do they want to be here? Can we trust them? And I know that's hard to all, that's hard to gauge in just, you know, an hour or half hour um, meeting with somebody, but you got to do your best to prove that to them. Yeah. I didn't even know that you, um, can bring like a notebook into an interview. I've never brought one. So that looks good when you do that and you start like taking notes during the interview or does that intimidate them? Oh no, I would definitely, no, that doesn't intimidate them at all. I think it probably shows more, um, more of like your passion and more of your 
commitment to it. If you like when they're telling you about the role, you're taking notes so you have a better understanding of it. And then also it's okay to come with questions prepared. Like I know a big thing when I was interviewing for places is I had my questions prepared and I was there to kind of gauge, you know, what are you guys driving from a diversity and inclusion perspective? Mm-hmm. How are you guys trying to figure out work-life balance? So like they like challenging questions, like things that you will make a, an interviewer be like, oh, hmm, I've never thought of that. Or like anytime you hear like, hmm, good question. Like that's a good thing. Like you're, you're challenging them and forcing them to think out of the box the same way they challenged you. Okay. Well, you heard it here. Come with questions prepared, bring a notebook, be ready, dress nice and come on time. <laughs> yes please come on time <laughs> um so say you make it past the interview and now you get the offer letter but you want to negotiate pay um how do you go about that I know we were talking about paying stuff but now how do you approach that you know I'll be 100% honest because of the industry that I work in um we actually negotiate pay prior to um setting or sending somebody into an interview so that's not my area of expertise um only because I do a lot of um contract based work and so before I even present um send a candidate over to any of our clients I already have that locked up on on my end so we don't have to we don't go into a negotiation phase after we get the offer but I do know um, just from like other friends that I have in the industry and uh, other people that have been through that process, the biggest thing is kind of bringing in, you know, examples of why you deserve the rate that you're asking for. So if it's, you know, a job that was posted at 70 to 75 and you're targeting for 75, what makes you a $75,000 employee. And that's like, you know, bringing in your past examples, like I'm bringing in X amount of experience. Uh, I'm bringing in my education that is specialized in this field. I'm bringing in management experience. I'm bringing in leadership experience. I'm bringing nonprofit experience. So just have specific examples as to why you're requesting a higher pay. Don't, don't just be like, oh, I want 75 because I want 75. Like you mm-hmm. need to explain why. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, come give them a reason to give you that pay don't just ask for it yeah I would treat it like almost like a performance review um you know when you're going into performance review time and you want and you want to raise your boss is going to ask you like why should I give you a raise and I would treat it just like that um going into um salary negotiations as well perfect well we're coming to the end here and I just wanted to know is there any tips that you would want to give out for people just you know with their resume or their um you know interview process yeah I would say um with resumes especially as you're kind of moving further into your career I know a lot of people are um when you first leave college like you know make sure your resume is one page um but as you're you know getting your master's and you've worked at a couple different places it's okay if you you know move that one or move past that one page limit that is I get that question pretty often and then um, really the big thing right now I know especially coming out of a season of COVID and like facing so much unemployment you are going to, unfortunately, right now, the market is so saturated. So there are millions of people applying for jobs, but not enough jobs available, depending on what industry you're in. So like, if you apply for 30 jobs, and you know, you're not hearing anything back, just keep applying. 
um, reach out to people like myself. You can always find recruiters on LinkedIn that are, we do this, we do this for free. Like this is what we are here for is like helping people with resumes, helping them with interview tips and stuff like that. So reach out to any um, resource that you can find within your network. LinkedIn is just like a place that's booming with people that are ready to help you in whatever you possibly need. So don't ever hesitate to message somebody, try to connect with somebody and just say, hey, I'm back on the job market. I could use your assistance and your advice. Um, it's really all about like leveraging the resources around you. And you might even find that like you reach out to somebody for advice and they're actually like, oh, wait, I might have a spot for you on my team or something like that. Nice, nice. Thank you for those tips. Um, I hope you guys consider those tips and take those in and everything that you have learned here um, during this episode. Um, I want to thank you, Winnie, again for joining me on here and being a part of my podcast. Thank you so much, Sydney. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully you guys took something away from this. Um, but nonetheless, that's our dream is doing tons of huge things and trying to just educate the world on how to make ourselves better. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say that I appreciate you guys for tuning in. So please share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you.